For me, fashion is a verb. So it's too fashion. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis with Claire Press. Join me every week as we look at sustainability, ethics, and the business and madness of fashion. Hello again, how are you doing? Have I got an amazing interview for you this week? I really think, I mean, they're all my favourites, <laughs> but I really think this is a favourite and important interview and I would love your help sharing it because I, I definitely think it's something people don't know about. Before I did the research for this, I was quite in the dark and it's something that people need to be aware of. We're going to be talking about chemicals and in particular PFAS, which stands for per and polyfluorinated alkyl substances, mouthful. You might know them as forever chemicals. Now, forever means they hang around. So these are persistent chemicals that don't occur in nature, but they bioaccumulate in people and nature and animals and water. And it's actually really scary. Why? Because they've been linked to a bunch of health effects, things like hormone disruption, even cancer. And today, my guest will share her own story about fighting breast cancer, which she believes is directly linked to the chemicals in her system. Now, before we get onto that, I knew that these chemicals were used in textile production. They add them to things that they want to make stain resistant or water repellent. So they can be added to raincoats, for example. When I was young in Britain, I used to spray my suede shoes with this thing called Scotchgard in a can. That was basically PFAS in a can. God knows what I was breathing in. But it would mean that the water would just bead on top of the suede. They use this stuff on, oh, well, the big famous one is Teflon, nonstick cookware. That was the original, and you'll hear us explain that in the interview. But a bunch of PFAS are used in things like homewares, in carpets, mattresses. Your sofa could be drenched in them. Anything where the manufacturer doesn't want the dirt to soak in. And you might have heard the phrase forever chemicals recently in the news. There's a period underwear brand called Thinks with an X. And they were in court uh, last year, I think it was, that it was settled because an investigation found that their product was drenched in PFAS. And this is next to your skin. And I mean, they did say, I should say this for legal reasons, it wasn't an admission of any wrongdoing when they settled. But people were rightly concerned. You don't want these chemicals next to your skin, especially not when a brand tells you that they care about good health and responsibility. It's scary. There's very little transparency in where these things are. They're also absolutely rife in cosmetics and skincare. And they've been found in dental floss. So we could be, can you imagine, like rubbing PFAS forever chemicals into your gums? And I think this is the most creepy thing. They're used in food packaging. So <laughs> forever chemicals should also, I think, be called everywhere forever chemicals. Anyway, my guest today says the worst thing is slathering these things merrily all over your body without realising they're even there. She is the... Danish beauty activist and founder of Rudolf Care, an organic skincare brand, Andrea Rudolf. And you'll hear her tell this story, but she actually started her brand back when she used to be a TV presenter because she did a thing with Greenpeace where they tested her blood for chemicals levels. And she found that she was basically full of toxic stuff. So why don't governments do something about this? Now, I feel like I haven't done the research on every country where you may be listening to this, 
But just before I did the intro, I thought I'll have a look, what's the Australian government official advice? And I think this is fairly typical from what I've seen. Most people have been exposed to these chemicals, but they say PFAS exposure has not been shown to cause disease in humans. However, they add, it has been associated with mildly elevated levels of cholesterol, effects on kidney function, and effects on some levels of hormones. But then they go on to say, as a precaution, we should limit our exposure. I mean, I feel like this advice has to change in future because it seems pretty obvious there is a problem here. Here's what, one last bit of Googling for you, the toxicologist Linda Birnbaum told The Guardian last year. Now, Linda Birnbaum used to be the director of the US National Institute for Environmental Health Services. And she said, there is an increasing amount of data showing PFAS are associated with a wide variety of bad health effects, not only in people, but in animals. She said there are now hundreds of studies showing these associations with a wide variety of effects, including cancer, liver effects, kidney effects, effects on development and reproduction, and growing evidence for effects on neurodevelopment. And also links, if you want some more, links to type 2 diabetes. She said, it's kind of like the more you look, the more you find. Now I'll leave it up to you to decide what you think after you've heard Andrea's story. But I want to just thank her here. She is such a luminous human. I I count her as a friend. We obviously live in different cities. We're not having dinner every week. I've probably only met her a few times. But whenever I've spent time with her, we've always had a really strong connection. And I really admire this woman's sustainability, credibility, her values, the way she runs her business, her warmth and her intelligence and her empathy and her sense of fun, but also the way she approaches talking about why she does what she does. I think I just really admire her. I think she's amazing. You're going to enjoy her company. And I'm happy that she's in the world and still in the world. Listening back to this conversation, there's a bit at the end where she talks about the near death experience of what she's been through and fear and hope and how she got well and what got her through it. And it's so moving. So I also think this is very helpful for anyone who's going through any kind of health crisis. That's why it's one of my favourite episodes. All right, ready? (laughs) Let's go to Copenhagen and sit down for a herbal tea with Andrea Rudolph. Andrea, here we are. Yes. We're in your incredibly lovely space. Just describe where we are. We're in Copenhagen at your headquarters. Yes, and it's it's in Copenhagen, but it's 900 metres from Tivoli, like from the main city hall but it's on the countryside of Copenhagen. It feels spacious. I've been to your house, actually, which is not far away. No, it's very close to here. And this is, I think, in the most green area of Copenhagen because it's between a big park called Sundermagen and one of our oldest churchyards on the other side, really, really big, Vesterkirkegård. And we are in the old neighbourhood of Carlsberg and it's old villas. When I said your headquarters, mm. let's talk about what you do at Rudolf Care. What is it? Oh, Rudolf Care is a, it's a love affair <laughs> between self-care and sustainability without compromising. So it's we do skincare, but it's not just skincare. It's without compromise in the way that it's effectively. You want effectiveness and you want consistency and you want something aesthetic and nice and something that works and that's beautiful and gives you joy 
and makes a difference on your skin. But in the same time, we care about the world. So we are we don't want to compromise on how we do things. So we have a great respect and a big responsibility, I think, both for human health and nature. We are the first beauty brand ever to combine EcoCert, Cosmos Organic Certification, with the Nordic Swan label, taking care of human health as well as preserving the environment during the whole lifespan of the product. You're also a B Corp, right? Why was that important to you? Well, I think it's very, very important because uh, it commits your brand to meet the highest standards of social and environmental performance in everything we do. I was saying to you before that we've never had a beauty or skincare brand on this podcast. I don't really interview people from brands. (laughs) The reason why I'm keen to talk to you about your work and your brand is its fierce commitment to organic. And actually, I never understood a lot of these things till I met you. Mm. Oh, thank you. It's an honor being in your podcast. And also, I'm very glad that you you hear me Mm. because uh, I've been trying to... um, I've been trying to make a difference in this world and in the in this industry, uh, and not just in this industry, but hopefully by making an example and making, trying to really make the impossible thing in this industry. I I hope that I can thereby um, influence other people in other industries as well. I just wanted with this thing, I wanted to show that it's actually possible to make something that can make a difference on skin. I mean, let's face it, most people love to have a, like to have a nice skin and to feel good in it. Uh, But also um, without there being a, a bill to pay. Before we begin, I just would like to ask you how you're doing because you've been through a really tough time the last couple of years and I wondered if you wanted to just put that in context for us. Yeah, thank you. Yes, um, I was hit with breast cancer. I mean, first we had the corona and then just after that or during that, in the end of it, I was hit with breast cancer. I found a lump under my arm, in my armpit, one Sunday night and straight away I... I knew this was not great. Um, and I've been breastfeeding my children, uh, so my boobs have been going up and down and I didn't really feel the changes in my breasts, but I found this uh, very swollen lymph node in my in my armpit. And um, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Uh, went to the doctor straight away the next day and the week after I knew it was cancer and the week after that I started chemotherapy. So very lucky to live in Denmark where there's there's being taken care of this in a very good way. And yeah, I was struggling through the chemotherapy and after that I uh, had a surgery and had my breasts removed and the lymph nodes in my armpit because it has it was gone from the breast and up to my lymphs. Ouch. Yeah. And then in the end of it, I had radiation, which is a scary, creepy thing as well. Um, but the chemotherapy is just poison, but it it worked. Uh, it worked wonders. So when they did the surgery, all cancer was gone. 
There was nothing left at all. But being cancer-free is not the same as being uh, back at it and being fresh, even though I look very much my same. My hair is exactly long enough to get a little teeny-weeny ponytail. (laughs) (laughs) You look well. Yeah, thank you. I look well, and that's the thing, you know. I look well, so people think you're well, and they are so happy that I'm well again. And I'm happy that I'm well again, but I'm not the same. Mm-hmm. And it's not the same inside. And I'm still struggling with a lot of things. I would just like to excuse myself for my English uh, and for if if maybe I'm missing words or searching the words because chemotherapy is just m- messing with your brain and especially with mine, I think. So this is actually the first interview that I'm doing since. So... Thank you. I might be searching for the words because I was the the chemo hit me hard cognitive, so uh, I have difficulties remembering and uh, I have difficulties finding words sometimes, and also uh, concentration sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that would be a problem today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk yeah. with us. I really appreciate it. We met. I I think we'd met before then, but we met properly for the first time at this wonderful dinner that you hosted at your house. It was part of Copenhagen Fashion Summit years ago now. They used Mm. to do this lovely thing where the speakers would go to people's houses who were locals and be hosted in their family homes, very different to a kind of corporate dinner. And I was lucky enough to come to your place. (laughs) I remember Cyril Gooch from Parley for the Oceans was at the table. I can't remember who else, but maybe 20 people. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a beautiful evening and I, I it was really one of those evenings that I will remember forever. I think we were like 18 people there and we had a, a nice dinner and very, very cool conversations about sustainability and about the world and none of us knew each other. I just remembered someone else who was there. I'd actually forgotten. I was trying to think on the way here. Helen Crowley, who has been on this she podcast, well. yeah. who at the time was working for caring and is a biodiversity expert. She was there and I was like, this is so amazing. I get to meet her. <laughs> uh, so many cool people, yeah. really inspiring people. And your kids were running around and your house is so nice. Can I move in? But <laughs> <laughs> you started that dinner with a little introduction to tell us about what you did. And you told this story about taking part in a campaign in 2006 with Greenpeace. You were pregnant at the time. Mm -hmm. Would you be able to tell us about it now? Yes. Back in 2006, Greenpeace was making this national campaign, not only in Denmark, actually. They did it in Finland, Norway, and a lot of other countries as well. They wanted to show how many chemicals we all have in our blood. I have to say first, there are lots of good, good chemicals in the world. Chemicals that are totally under control and and that are able to be broken down in us, in nature and in human bodies. So they don't harm us. But the the chemicals that are really bad and that are scary and uh, should be abandoned are the chemicals, the forever chemicals, the chemicals that stay in us and stay in the world for a long, long, long time. I mean, we are talking years. We don't know how many years. It could be a hundred or more before they are broken down or or halfway broken down. They tested my blood. So so me and, and seven others, we, we had our blood tested for women, for men, 
And they were looking for these uh, chemicals. They were looking for PFATs. They were looking for plast uh, softeners. They were looking for heavy metals. They were looking for uh, also uh, artificial perfumes and flame. Uh, re- oh, flame retardants. Yes, exactly. And also, so I hadn't understood that. And pesticides. So this whole gamut of these chemicals which are potentially dangerous to people and planet. So plasticizers, I mean, I'm no chemist, but we are familiar with these words, right? And of course, pesticides. What was the other one you said there? Uh, Heavy metals. Heavy metals. Heavy metals and flame retardants. Flame retardants. So we know, you don't need to be a chemist to know, for example, that heavy metals are used in the tanning process, in making leather. There are links with the textile industry here. Exactly. A lot of links because it's in... These chemicals, the thing is, we find them everywhere. We find them in the painting on the walls and textiles, our clothes, uh, bed uh, sheets, bed linens. I just thought of something, Andrea. Um, flame retardants, they are drenching mattresses with these things. Yeah, so exactly. You're sleeping on them. It's horrible. I, I mean, they, you find them in, uh, what do they call the pillows when you're breastfeeding your child? Mm-hmm. Uh, they put them in those pillows that you put underneath the child so you can easily breastfeed. And I don't know if it's something, I mean, in the 60s, moms were smoking while they were breastfeeding, I'm sure. But I mean, how should it lighten up? How, it how makes should no it get sense. Fire? It makes it's no crazy. sense. Curtains, a lot in hotels. It's in carpets, also in, in the materials on um, furnitures. And the plastic, the plast softeners are very much on prints, on T-shirts, on prints, on textile, on your clothes. I was staying in a hotel last time I went to London, which was brand new. And it was all very beautiful and shiny and vintage looking, but brand new, right? And the whole place reeked with such strength of VOCs. It was off-gassing something rotten because it was all vinyl. And the, the windows didn't open. And I went to see them and I said, I cannot breathe in this place. It's horrible. I feel surrounded by vinyl and I can smell it. And they said, no, no nonsense. Mm. And I thought, honestly, you've got no idea. And they're talking about sustainability on their website. Oh, People don't yeah. know. No. But it's also the products that you clean those rooms mm. with. It's everywhere. So coming back to your story, you yeah. were doing what at the time? Because you'd been a presenter. I was a presenter on the television, yes, uh, doing entertainment. Uh, I'm educated journalist originally, and I've been doing radio for many years. And I had a lot of fun with that, and I had a great career going on, and I, I wasn't planning to do something else. But then Greenpeace asked me to join this campaign, and I said yes, because I was really curious and also because I'm quite competitive, so I was sure that I was going to come out with the best blood in the test because of these Because you were the people. youngest or among the youngest? I, yeah, I was the second youngest, in a, exactly. Also because, I, I, I mean, I love Greenpeace uh, because they are so radical and I love that there are organizations like that that are trying to open our eyes and they're really loud and they are really crazy, but we need people like this. And I said yes and... At this point, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, and she'll be 17 this summer. And I had no idea what was going to hit me. But when I got results back, I was shocked. And I was sure that they had been messing up the results with some of the other persons in this test because, I mean, it could not be true. I was the one with the most chemicals in my blood. 
And I was sure that it was some kind of a mistake. Because you think of yourself as super healthy, yes. interested in Yeah, I grew living. up on the countryside. Yeah. I've been doing sports my whole life. And I've been, my, my parents have been very, I think, concerned about, I mean, very into to the food and organic food and groceries. So, so I, I was really shocked. But the thing is that what they could see in my blood was they could trace a lot of these chemicals, some of the chemicals back to beauty products. And I was like, yeah, but I don't use anything. I mean, I, I've never been using a lot of makeup. So yeah, during when I was doing TV, but then I took it off. So, I mean, I perfectly, I go mostly without makeup. So I was really shocked. And I said, no, it can't be true. And we went to the main hospital in Denmark, to the Rikshuspital, Riks uh, where uh, Professor Henrik Leffes, he was the leader of the center of reproduction. Oh, in uh, fertility. Fert yeah. Yeah. And he was telling us about these tests and he was giving us the results. He said to me, but you have a lot of these chemicals, Andrea, and I can see you're pregnant. Did you get pregnant natural way? And I was like, yeah, I did. And I was like, yeah, okay, because the risk with all these chemicals is that you're actually not, maybe not able to get pregnant. Hormone disruptors. Exactly. And... Uh, it can cause cancer and also it can cause deformities in, on babies. And I got really scared because I was, I was pregnant and I said, what am I going to do? And he said, for, I had three questions. I was like, okay, where does all this come from? And he said, well, we can see a lot of these. They told us it's everywhere. It's in textiles, everything that we surround us with. A lot of kitchen tools actually also. Mm. And he, he said to me, uh, But we can see a lot of these also ingredients comes from beauty products. And I was like, yeah, but I don't use anything. And he said, yeah, but don't you use a deal? And I was like, yeah. Do you use body lotion sometimes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you use a cleanser? Do you use makeup remover? Do you use a perfume? Do you use soap, shampoo, uh, toothpaste, um, sunscreen? Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And... You know, when he was mentioning all these things, I was like, oh, gosh, that is actually a lot of products without me taking notice. I mean, I'm not really thinking about it. And I've been swimming. When I was younger, I've been swimming five times a week. I was competing and I had really, really dry skin. And it really gave me a bad self-esteem with this bad skin because it was so dry and I thought it was so embarrassing. So I actually used, as a young girl, a lot of body lotion. And this body lotion, as he said to me on the hospital, he said, yeah, but when this uh, container from the body lotion, 500 milliliter, when it's empty, where do you think the body lotion has gone? And I was like, uh, uh, well, and he said, it goes on your skin. It makes a difference on your skin, hopefully. That's why you're using it. And a lot of these ingredients from the cream will get go through your skin into your blood. Okay, the skin is our biggest organ. Of course we absorb stuff through it. Of course we do. But my question would be, if you're listening to this, maybe you think, well, everybody uses these things and everybody is not that way affected. As in they might have those high concentrations in their blood and not know, but they don't all experience sickness or infertility. What would you say to that? Because maybe they do, but we don't know the connection. I think there's a connection. I mean, now I had cancer. I just had cancer. And also one of my children is, is actually born with a deformity as well. So, I mean, that's two out of the three things he mentioned for me in the hospital. 
I, I'm sure there's a connection. We spend a lot of money and a lot of uh, resources to fix problems, but we're not trying to find the, the source. Where does all this come from? And that's, that's where we need to go. I want to get onto PFAS and what's happening now in the conversation, but just tell us briefly what Rudolf Kerr's answer to this was, because it's about organic ingredients that don't contain any of this stuff, isn't it? Yeah, but we use a little bit of synthetic ingredients as well in some of the products, because actually it's it's not that black and white. I wish it was that easy that we could just use uh, natural ingredients or organic ingredients. But you see, the best poison comes from nature. I mean, there's a lot of ingredients, a lot of stuff in nature that can cause you death or pain or allergic reactions. And so it doesn't really matter if they're organic or not, they're yeah, still harmful yeah, to you. So yeah. it's not that black and white. That word natural as well is one of those misleading words. It is. We use it to greenwash, don't we? Really, we do. And it's not like that. So it's not like I'm a, only into organic ingredients. I, I love nature and I think we should use as many natural and organic, of course, ingredients as possible. I mean, if natural, always organic. But I also think that we should uh, be aware of that there's a lot of things in nature that can actually cause us some troubles too in another way. Um, but the thing is, when I, when I found out about all this, I got so angry. I got so angry and I got so surprised as well. I mean, this was 2006 and I was living in Denmark, of all places, a small country, the happy people that the way we see ourselves is like very responsible people and community. And, and suddenly I just felt so disappointed about my country. And I, I thought there should be so many products because it's impossible to be consumer. And that's the thing. And yes, I know I own a company. I have this company, but I'm a consumer and I find it very, very difficult to be a consumer. To make the right choices. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off mm. is that I can't see what I am actually buying. Yeah. It's not, it's misleading everything. And it's, it's a jungle. No matter if you look into skincare or if you look into also um, fashion, clothes, as you I just mentioned, there's so much mm. greenwashing, but so many industries have now found out that uh, we better be uh, green. We better do something or say something about this. So, but, and as a consumer, you don't, mm. you don't know. In 2006, I was just, first of all, I was super scared. Okay. What do I do? What, what is going to come out of my belly when I give birth? Is she, will she be okay? Will she be all right? And then they also told me, please, when you start breastfeeding, only breastfeed for maximum six months. And I was like, what? And they said, yeah, because you are passing these things oh my gosh. on to your children. Yeah. You're passing it on. And they are babies. I mean, they don't have the system to... That, that's the thing. We pass it on, these chemicals. I'm going to share something now that I have pre-prepared, because clearly I'm not the expert in this, but I think it's really timely that I mention it. We're going to be talking a bit about PFAS, which you mentioned before, forever chemicals. Essentially, they are bioaccumulative. They don't break down in people or the environment. You might have heard of them in relation to nonstick cookware. Teflon is a famous one produced by DuPont. But actually, 
the use of these chemicals, which have not been banned, are widespread. They're in our food, our clothes, everywhere, right? So you sent me a clip from, he's a chat show host, he's a British antagonist for on the American HBO network. Mm. It's called Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And then we'll share a link in the show notes, you can watch it. He presented a segment on PFAS and the problems with not regulating them in the US. Now, he said... The producers of these chemicals, including DuPont, had known for years that they bioaccumulated and that they weren't safe. Some scientists tried to find clean, in adverted commas, blood that wasn't contaminated by these things to compare that with people whose blood was contaminated, and they couldn't find any. The only way they could do it was to get some archival blood samples from soldiers in the Korean War before this stuff had been widely used to compare it with, because everybody's covered in this stuff. Babies, people. 99.9%. Wow. I'm going to read it out. It's from America's FDA. Pear and polyfluoroalkyl substances, that's what PFAS stands for, are in cosmetics, as well as a bunch of other stuff, including food. They're a diverse group of human-made chemicals with a wide range of consumer and industrial usage. Certain PFAS are also intentionally added as ingredients to cosmetic products, including lotions, cleansers, nail polish, shaving cream, foundation, lipstick, eyeliner, eyeshadow, and mascara. These PFAS used in cosmetics are supposed to condition and smooth the skin and make it appear shiny. And also they affect the texture and consistency of a product. So they make the lotion seem lovely and appealing. But essentially... There's no requirement to warn the consumer about this. You can look on the list of ingredients in cosmetics for them, and we'll share a list of the techie names. But the FDA admitted that there's basically no studies on how these are affecting us as humans when we consume them. Yeah, it's it's so scary. It is. And the thing is, you think, why do you put these chemicals in in a cream that we put on our body, our largest organ? But I, I say to people, I wish we were just as concerned about what we put on, on, on our body and on our skin as what we put in our mouth. <laughs> because actually what they told me on the hospital was it would have been a lot better if you've been drinking and eating your body lotion instead of putting it on your skin. Because our system is actually made for breaking down some things, but the skin, it just soaked it all up and it goes in the blood. But as you just told Claire, it's to give this smooth and nice lean consistency. And consistency plays a huge role in beauty, in, in skincare. It does. I love a good consistency as well. But that was the thing. There are actually other ways to do it because I love the consistency of silicone as well. But silicone is rubbish for us. It, don't put it on your skin. Don't put it in your hair. Don't put it anywhere. I mean, in beauty, in skincare, first you fall in love with the brand because it's nice or you like the story <laughs> or it's beautiful or you heard somebody tell the story about it. And then you go into a shop and then you try it. The first sense that you're actually using is the the feeling. So you you try the feeling out on your hand. Yeah. And you go, oh, this oh, feels this so is nice. nice and stuff. Oh, silky gloves, blah, blah, blah. After that, then you use after your sense in the nose. And you smell and you're like, mm, I like this. And then you try it on. So you use all your senses in this. And and don't underestimate senses. It's something and it's strong. 
So when I was developing Root of Care, I really wanted this product to feel exactly as good in the consistency. I didn't want it to be uh, more watery or or more sticky or more something. I wanted it to be smooth and silky. So we had to find a way to use other ingredients to make that feeling. And we, we succeed. And why I tell this is it's actually possible to find other ingredients, mm. other less harmful chemicals or things from nature that can actually do the same thing. I did look into these reports. It's clear that this company which produces Teflon did know the problems of bioaccumulation in nature and the Very problems. Early. And if you look into the reports around sickness in communities around the factories where it's produced and where it's entered the environment during the manufacturing process, the connection is clear. We know historically that there's many examples through, I was talking to you before we were recording about ExxonMobil knew about global warming. Come on. If you are the polluting company producing the chemicals or extracting fossil fuels, you've had these, or think about the cigarette industry. They knew for years mm. that what they were producing mm. was harmful. So let's take it as read that there are problems with the production of some of these chemicals. We know that there's also alternatives. Why do you think then that so many consumer goods companies are packing their stuff with it? Yeah, it's good to have a nonstick frying pan, but why would a, a company like, and again, I am repeating only John Oliver's research in case you're angry with me, but he named the brands Lululemon, North Face and Patagonia as producing waterproof clothing that contains these PFAS chemicals and noted that they were trying to phase them out, but they're still using it. So why do you think we're still... It's a matter of money. I mean, it, it all comes down to money. Money rules the world. And this is so easy to use. And it's, I guess it's really cheap. <laughs> and it works. You know, it does its work. There's a lot of good benefits as well. Otherwise, we wouldn't be using these chemicals. And I guess they're not questioning it. They're just, this is what we use and here we are. No one's regulating it. Yeah, there's not, I mean, I mean, it's just too easy not to. And the consumers, we, we don't know what to say or where to go or what to do. And that's the thing. Mm. I mean, this is not a consumer responsibility. The, the, respon the good advice I would give was to question, to keep on questioning. I mean, for example, my brother, he was very much into the skating uh, once and he, he always for birthday and Christmas, he was wishing on his wish list always these t-shirts, skater t-shirts with, with a cool print on. And I uh, went into some really nice skate shops in Copenhagen and I asked them, I said, I would love to buy a lot of t-shirts. I would like to spend a lot of money here, <laughs> but I want to know these prints on these t-shirts. Are they with a water, water print, or is it with plastic softness? Uh, and they couldn't answer me. And I mean, it's very, very easy to feel when it's a plastic one. And the thing is that even though it's on our T-shirt, it will find the way into your body. And that's the scary thing. You have it that close to your body and you, it will go into your body. And it, this will mess up with his testicles, with his sperm quality, with his, with his health, with his, I mean, I, I couldn't give him this. So I think as a consumer, we should keep on asking questions mm. and we should demand something else. And that's 
goes to all industries. Because my hope was that one day these boys in this skater shop, they will tell their boss, listen, people keep on asking for, they want a water print. We need that in the shop. People really want to buy that. Okay, then we change because again, it's money. Mm. So there is, there is, there are alternatives. So please start using them. And as a consumer, it's just a jungle, but we just have to keep questioning. And then there actually are some, or at least one certification that you can lean into. The Nordic Swan Ecolabel looks at the entire product from raw ingredients to production use, disposal, and recycling. So when you choose a product uh, that is Swan labeled, you can feel safe as a consumer when it comes to all these chemicals. That's what I, I want. I just want honesty. And then as a consumer, I can figure out myself if I want to buy this or not. But at least it has to be transparent so that we can see what it is that we are buying, if we want this or not. Mm. And I think that's that's the whole thing, that that we need more transparency. You said then how important it is for you to be honest and you want you want honesty as a consumer. Would I be able to take that into what you've just experienced, Andrea, and ask you about the honesty that you've been sharing on social media? about your own experience of having cancer? Because it's it's really, I know before we were saying you'd won an award this week and it was like not an award you wanted. <laughs> Who wants to win an award of being good at cancer? But exactly. it, it has been, I think, not just very brave of you, but very meaningful for others of you to share what you've been through. Do you want to just talk a bit about that honesty and about the decision to be open with what you've been through? Yeah, um, I mean, I think uh, I, do, I don't know where it comes from. It's just that I feel I feel um, that we are much more we will navigate a lot better together if mm. we are honest. Mm. Uh, and we will yeah, I think it all it's it's all about taking care of each other. I mean, it's it's mm, but it's it's um yeah, I find it very difficult not to be honest and sometimes I can also be maybe too honest, but it's it's just that um I think it's just important that we don't I'm mean, just I'm 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 a bit slow right now because I'm trying to figure out why why do I why do I I feel like I do and I think it's because I love life I love people and I love being around people I love to see you again Clara and I actually mean that really I and it's so meaningful to me being around other people and being together mm. and um, yeah, I don't know it's just um, I think I see a lot of things I register a lot of being people being miserable and not being honest and that's I mean that's in the fashion industry it's in the beauty industry it's it's just uh, it's among people 
at school, at my children's school, everywhere, people are trying to make up mm. a, a facade uh, and we are all hassling and struggling and and so exhausted, all of us, from trying to keep up with appearance and, and appearance. And I think it's just... It's just so bad. And I think it's actually very, very easy to see through. And it it make it, it's only making bad. It's making ourselves feel shitty. And I mean, what is it that we are bringing our children up to? Uh, and I just, I, I just feel like I just have a, a huge um, desire of being honest and I love to puncture all that shit <laughs> because it's just fake mm. and as soon my experience is as soon as you show your vulnerability you get a lot back so there's a huge strength and power in vulnerability so when you're honest and open you mostly get something real back mm. somebody being honest back as well and of course we were talking about this before we pressed record so many people go through breast cancer or other cancer in their families or themselves and yet there is this almost I think you're right that we construct these facades where we're trying to particularly with social media we're trying to live our best life on stage and then we hide the reality behind the scenes But also you can feel very alone when you go through something life rocking like this. Mm. It can be on the other side, so valuable to see that other people have trod that path before you and hear what yeah. they went through, right? Exactly. You said yeah. people keep writing yeah, to you. Yeah, thanks for the words. Yeah, except, but that's so true, Claire. And, but when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, I, I just had to tell because, I mean, I knew I was going to be game over for a while. I knew that I was hit back and... I mean, I've been around in Denmark on social medias quite a lot and people, a lot of people know me in Denmark. So if I was going to be silent suddenly for a year or two, that, that would have been so weird and so not me. So I just decided from the beginning that I'm going to tell this and I'm going to tell what happened, that I'm diagnosed with cancer and, and I'm going to go through all these treatments. And also because I wanted to to be honest, because my children are also met with a lot of people that would know me. So I, I want them to be able mm -hmm. to speak freely about this, about the good things and also the bad things. So I was opening up and what I got back was just a tsunami of love. <laughs> uh, it was overwhelming and it was, it really, really helped me a lot. So, I mean, reaching out, showing this vulnerability and, and just being honest just gave me so much back that it, it was really moving. And also a lot of people was writing to me like, yeah. oh, I'm so happy you tell this because I didn't, my mom didn't allow me to be a part of her cancer or my friend, she let me out uh, or... Uh, even though some ladies, one wrote to me, I lied. I never told anybody Oof. that I was, I had cancer. I never told it at work and I never told it to my friends. And I was hiding bit, uh, under a wick and, mm. and I was like, oh my God, going through that shit and then had to lie and 
keeping up still mm-hmm. and and trying to deny i mean that's 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 not how you get over this but were you scared to put that much of yourself out there because i mean i thinking of a post where you're saying i'm saying goodbye to my boob mm-hmm. i mean it's so emotional yes. it's so personal and it's so yeah i mean a part of me died mm-hmm. i mean actually a part of me died and a part of me disappeared and it just makes you so thankful for what we have mm. and just i mean just being able to get out of bed every day taking a shower on my own and being able to eat and go to the toilet and sleep i mean how lucky are we yeah how lucky are we to have a body that carries us through life and you i just got so thankful and how we take it for granted we take it for granted and now that i'm over it there are days where i don't think about it and i start going back to my old life but i don't want to go back to my old life because this actually cancer was terrible treatment was terrible but also it worked but there was also a lot of gifts in this and i'm quite happy that i got this as a 45 year old and not as a 75 year old because i actually now have the opportunity to change my life and it's not big changes what i figured out because i of course i was super scared that you i was you said you didn't want to become a hippie yeah then. i said that i didn't want to become a hippie i said a lot of things because i was like first of all i was super scared and i in the beginning i was like okay am i going to survive this this was in february i was like am i going to get the summer uh, am i going to experience summer and i have five children with my husband and i was like oh fuck i have so small children Arthur, he he's the youngest. He was like only two years old, and I mean that's. Oh, I I was like, no, I am not going to go away from it. I have to stay with my babies, and 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 I figured out I have such a power. I have such a power to live. I have a big life uh, power. I don't mm. know what the English word is. That's the word. Uh, but, that, but that doesn't get you through. Only a lot of people have that too or had that too and they didn't survive so it's i mean it's totally out of our hands so i was just giving in to positive thoughts and light was trying to lighten up myself and i was just i was never bitter i was never angry it was weird i was just thankful and i found so much peace and joy in nature and yes as she said i promised myself when i got ill i was like okay i'm not going to turn out as a hippie on the other side of this i'm not going <laughs> to be uh, all the holy in a way yeah. uh, but but yeah here i am <laughs> and i i can just say that nature is bigger than i always loved nature and i mean my company is based on nature as well but nature is crazy and we are a part of nature we are nature and we forget that we are nature and the body is actually amazing and going out putting the body out in in its real habitat in the nature that's where nature power happens and that's where i healed at some points that was the only thing that made you feel all right Yeah because all, all the treatment with the chemo really hit me super hard and I was I was feeling really really bad and the only thing I could was being outside and just being in nature and I, I seriously mean I could feel the grass growing and I 
started hugging trees and I really felt the powers from the trees. I, I felt so small, but I also felt like it was totally right just to give in to nature. And I felt that nature gave back and I want to give back to nature as well. So we have to take care of this planet Earth because this is actually where we nature will heal and fix everything if we just stop messing around. Thank you for listening to Wardrobe Crisis. You can find the show notes for each episode over on our website, www.thewardrobecrisis.com. And that's where you can also sign up for our free sustainable fashion newsletters. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'd love you to help us spread the word. Tell a friend, share on social media, or leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find us on the app. You can get in touch with us on social media. The show is on Instagram at The Wardrobe Crisis, and I'm on there too. And on Twitter, I'm at Mrs. Press. Because I love you Because I love you